Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is what I'm calling the Imp Wellness Check, I guess, <laughs> instead of doing a stream with my voice very evidently, <laughs> not 100%. So, this is one of those reviews where well, it's 50-50. Am I actually going to be fit enough to do it or not? So, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think this Raw is perfectly fine to be covered in this state, because equally matches the state of Raw itself. <laughs> it was a very... Uh, it was another roar, wasn't it? It was another roar. It was pretty mediocre. There wasn't really anything special to write home about. There were multiple segments, of which, in my review, I was just like, this is time filler. It felt like there was very little meaning to this, and just moved... As in, more than one segment gave me that feeling. And there's a lot of, I guess, contrived feelings with the other things as well. But the main event was solid, and that seemed to be a running theme with WWE Raw. Well, even though the card itself kind of sucks a little bit, and the main event yeah, is a solid match, even though I don't care about the story or the outcome really. The actual wrestling is fine, <laughs> entertaining. But that brings me to what's talk about today. The WWE women's kind of situation, especially as, like, all of this, and I kind of have to say this as a massive caveat, when I'm, we come in to review this Raw, there is now that feeling of the AEW pay-per-view whiplash. Which is very real. And to be fair, WWE's pay-per-views have mostly landed. Like, in spite of their crap creative on the television, the pay-per-view matches normally deliver. Because, you know, there'll be stakes on the line in those matches. It feels like they mean something. And the wrestlers themselves, it's a fantastic roster. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> their roster is fantastic. But then you get to, like, the television. And it's the trenches, it's the drugs, it's the... Oh, just... My God. <laughs> it's not a... Uh, it's not a fun watch. One of the things, was to, and the main thing I want to dive into today, was the state of the Raw women's division. Uh, to be fair, like the, on the SmackDown side, at least they're having two solid wrestlers kind of go at it, but I'm not excited for the, women, the SmackDown side either. It's a similar situation of great talent, crap build, but on Raw it feels so much worse. Like just infinitely worse. And... Yeah, I guess I'll start off with Ms. TV, and then I'll go through the different women's parts on the show to kind of make my point an example. But, ah yes, an immediate reminder at the start of Raw this week that I'm indeed watching WWE. Like, a whole load of stilted dialogue and contrived scripting it, to me in an outdated format. The talk show host format in wrestling, it had its time, and it was reminiscent of TV at its time, but it no longer is. So it's like an outdated thing. It's referencing the past. This isn't what modern day TV is. <laughs> so it's, what are you referencing here now? Uh, to one of the audience. Anyway, it, this week it was Charlotte Flair and Ray Ripley. Also, Miz isn't a zombie. Boo, that's not how it works. <laughs> Use a zombie now. <laughs> Use a zombie now, Miz. <laughs> that's how it works. But no, he's fine. He just talks about his legit injury from the match. But the kind of for the this is the raw women's championship feud. This is the idea they've come up with. So character wise, Flair is all confident, and Ripley's kind of the laughing champion. As as we figure out what her character is <laughs> on the main roster, uh, she 
is now babyface. I think she has been babyface for a few weeks now, especially because Flair's di- definitely the heel and now Asuka's out the picture. It's a bit cleaner, a bit easier, which is definitely the babyface. So Ripley here can afford de facto, and uh, she laughs at Morrison for checking she's not a vampire, which for me, with an all-time clangor of a line, I'm not a zombie, I'm a nightmare. <laughs> it's just like, uh, positive note, Ray's delivery of said line, felt like it was better than I last watched. Didn't watch last week's show, I was ill, obviously, evidently I'm still not 100%, but, yeah, it was... It wasn't as, <laughs> as bad as the delivery was. There seems to be clear improvement. And to be actually, like her character fit her delivery in NXT. They come to main roster, square peg, round hole. So she has to go back to square one and learn a bit again. But it doesn't matter one iota when you're given crap to work with. <laughs> Just working off Morrison thinking she's a zombie. She goes, I'm not a zombie. I'm a nightmare. It's like, ah, oh. <laughs> I did say there was good try scripting. Uh, when out came Nikki Cross to challenge Flair to the same beat the clock challenge that she faced Ripley in last week. And the dialogue of respect between Nikki and Rhea really was awful. As in, I am watching two people repeat dialogue. I do not believe a single word of it. And it's not to do with the performance. I mean, the performance isn't grand anyway. But I'm also echoing, you are not playing to the strengths of the characters you've got. You're square peg round holding everybody in this segment. <laughs> I mean, I guess... Flair fits her character, Miz fits his, Johnny Drip Drip fits it. Rhea and Nikki Cross are both different shaped pegs being shoved into the same hole. Like, no. Uh, and this, this segment for me massively highlighted that. Neither of them are strong at delivering this kind of dialogue. And both of them are delivering it. <laughs> it's like, oh, do you not even try to play to the strengths of the, the people you've got? Anyway, but that then meant that the reaction from Charlotte, she gets unhappy at having to compete in the beat of the clock. That feels unearned because I didn't buy the dialogue <laughs> between Nikki and Rhea. Uh, but into the two matches, two minutes match we go, and it was just like last week. And I didn't watch Raw, but I did see it got massively panned. Just this idea that these are your champions, <laughs> or at least your number one contender and your champion, and neither of them are beating Nikki Cross, who hasn't been on TV, and now she is. She's essentially a joke character, where she is not somebody who's going to be pinning any champion. And it's, they both lose to, essentially, the loser. And it's like, but who's getting over in this? Because Nikki Cross isn't winning by being a valiant hero and proving her worth. Like, it's two-minute silliness where she feels like a non-legitimate contender. And then Flair and Ripley are both losing to this non-contender. How is this making me excited for the title match again? <laughs> it's just forget. So like coming up with an entertaining situation, completely forgetting why you're coming up with said situation. What's the end goal here? Who gets over in this? <laughs> anyway, it, well, the match itself was 120 seconds of Charlotte getting annoyed at Cross running around instead of initiating the wrestling contest. And just like last week, but this time reversed onto the baddie of the piece. Like, surely, surely this title match won't actually be inside Hell in a Cell. There is zero animosity. Especially, like, watching it as a fan as well. There's zero animosity here. I don't, now I don't care about seeing them wrestle. They both lost to Nicky Cross. Why do I want to see them wrestle for the top title? Like, why? <laughs> why would I? I've watched them both lose to this person who is being presented as a non-entity. Why would I care about seeing them wrestle for the top title now? They they don't feel like strong characters. 
<laughs> it's just it's the foundation to build everything else around is, isn't there yeah so I heard this got a lot of criticism last week and now I've watched the it basically be repeated <laughs> this week but onto the other characters so they've both been knocked down a peg it's like yeah I, it's an idea which they can fill up two weeks of TV with tick it's a bit it's a creative idea that is more, more I guess slightly different than the definite norm I guess tick but on every other account, other account <laughs> in terms of the purpose of it, <laughs> in terms of how does this actually get the two uh, people that want to see the title match over, what feet, what emotion, what are you trying to achieve by doing this? Aside from finding an entertaining way to fill time, because there are so many ways you can do that. But if you can drop your story for that, well, why would I care? Why do I, why do I care? <laughs> why does it? Even if uh, Ripley's all happy, clappy with Nikki Cross. After last week, does she not care that she lost or wasn't able to beat her? Uh, are, well, she's embarrassed Flair this week, and that's just as good as getting her own back on Nikki Cross, is it? <laughs> I don't understand the logic sometimes. But then we get to the actual worst part of it. The, oh my word, <laughs> the Shayna Baszler Reginald stuff. Reginald, the blight on the women's division. Uh, I mean, he's an entertaining sit to slay man. But the stories he's ended up being involved in are atrocious. <laughs> That's not his fault, obviously. That's like the, the, the writing putting him in there. But, uh, number one, we're still acting shocked at Reginald's athletics after months of him doing them. Cool. Like, go act like it's the first time you've seen it, damn it. <laughs> but it's an audience. It's like, but it's not, though. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the idea was, if you react like it's the first time you've seen it, then those new people will be like, oh my god, that movie's amazing. But you're not playing to your repeat viewers either. I'm not sure. Because AEW, I'm assuming their presentation plays a lot more to the repeat viewers, as WWE's is first time. The best way to, to digest WWE is to not watch it. And this is one of those tropes. <laughs> it's one of those tropes where if you're gonna act like it's the first time you've ever seen it, the best for you way for you to enter pay-per-view is to have not seen it. <laughs> the best way to have not watched it. Um, anyway, the story of Shayna having enough of the crap and putting the man through a match of pain, Baszler talking and locking the man down before he bought the flippy flips for a minute. Shayna seemingly had the match wrapped up until fire! Fire! Exclamation mark. Looking forward to hearing from you. <laughs> Out of the ring post. And Reginald wins with a roll-up. I did pause for an IT card reference. <laughs> and Shayna Baszler loses to Reginald via roll-up. And immediately, my immediate reaction is, this is a division in the mud. Uh, obviously, hit me up if you agree or not. But from this week specifically, they knocked any motivational care out of me for Ray Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Neither person has any momentum. So they got... Is it two weeks to build that back up? And uh, I guess the Shayna, ba the Shayna Blazer stuff here with the tag team scene as well. Like the Raw Women's Division has been like this for months. This isn't a recent problem. This is, I guess, since Charlotte Flair got injured problem. And now she's come back, it's still there. She likes, Charlotte returning hasn't fixed all of the problems. It's the same show, but Charlotte Flair's there. So there's a character at least to work with that they know <laughs> how it works. But wait for Shayna Baszler. It gets worse. Later in the show, Alexa invited Reginald to play at the playground. Uh, and he was, oh, right, time to see this angle's got a plan. 
uh, as Virginal does accept, and it takes place later in the show, where Lily asks about Cirque du Soleil because she loves the circus. <laughs> like she genuinely had, she genuinely wanted to chat with the circus man. <laughs> there wasn't any other thing there. Uh, Shade obeys the attack. There was no spooky spook planned. Lily genuinely invited Reginald to have a wee chinwag about the circus. <laughs> and Baszler stares down Electra Bliss, but more importantly the doll, and issues a match for next week before insulting the doll to the doll's face because wrestling sure is a great medium <laughs> for fantastic storytelling. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Cool. Setting up Shayna Baszler versus Alexa, but she's more targeting the doll. Like, well, where's that going then? But Shayna Baszler kind of bringing up that I take care of my problems. The reason the dialogue doesn't work, we've literally just seen her get rolled up and lose. And that was her specifically setting up a match to deal with a problem. <laughs> Meaning that the line that happens later in the show was I deal with my problems. Doesn't land because <laughs> you've literally just shown me her not dealing with her problem. <laughs> she tried to, but she failed. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> do these things connect? <laughs> Is there anything? And for me, the nail in the coffin was the tag team match. Where I feel like, watching this, I felt like it was an improvement over past weeks. As in, constantly putting them together with no direction in an endlessly spinning circle. They start to build up a bit of chemistry, and at this point, the matches are a bit better. But it's a, a nothing, it's, it's like the second nothing match of the night, because there is another one, that felt like it meant nothing. And the women's tag division has seen has been absolutely full of these. If they need five minutes to fill, send out the women out there for like five minutes in an absolutely nothing match. It fills the time, blah, blah, blah. Like, Jesus, like, this wasn't even our first of the night here. <laughs> we had a tag team out. It's just, and it just feels like nothing. At least here, they had Natalia and Tamina about their in commentary as women's tag team champions. And it was these two teams facing each other again in a potentially meaningful match. But the tag team champions being there means that it sells it a bit more. But it felt like this match was to get the women's tag team champions onto the show, which it has been used before. But they have nothing. They have no idea where they're taking this. They've got no kind of rhymal run to it. And that leads me back into... The Alexa Bliss stuff as well. Is there any plan? This absolutely screams that they've not learned any lesson from the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton feud. Where it's pretty much the same kind of spooky spook idea. But there is no plan. They, they haven't got anywhere they're going with this. <laughs> so what is being set up here? There is no end. There's no like wacky endgame here. I've seen some said, oh, it might be kind of like slowly putting together the idea of Alexa Bliss and Lily winning the tag team championships. That would be different. Well, that assumes there's a plan. <laughs> and it, this screams the exact same situation that has been the entire time since Alexa Bliss became part of The Fiend, where there is no plan. They don't know. <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> they generally don't know. Ah, yeah, it, it doesn't get me excited. And again, here, it screams the same thing. There is no plan. They're just... A match that gets the tag team champions onto the show, and then you get Lana Naomi losing to Brooke, and they, I've realised I've written Lana Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Naomi. That's how little I cared about this match. <laughs> I didn't even write down the Manny Rose's name. Uh, anyway, Rose and Brooke with a nice uh, fireman's carry into a netbreaker, which it turns out was... What's her name? 
Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm so I'm on so not with it hundred percent yet. Oh, that is so bad. Yeah, Shad Gascard and JTG. It's crime time. There we go. I never said it. <laughs> Top crime time's finisher. That's good for them. It, it, look, yeah. I I think I enjoyed, or I liked their tag team cohesion more this week. As in, it's lots of little notes, which played, especially with the gear and with the tag team move, it just felt a bit more cohesive this week with Brooke and Matt, Randy Rose. Uh, it's just that it feels like the, the whole division is endlessly spinning into nowhere. So... Why would I care? Why would I care this week? And that's what makes you think, like, the Raw Women's Division. Is it in the mud? The, the From the bottom, we've got Lana and Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose in a match that felt, like, potentially meaningful, but it doesn't feel like it on the show. Then you've got Shayna Baszler, who's setting up to fight a puppet after losing via roll-up. <laughs> and then you've got the main event scene, where... Both the champion and the challenger are just having momentum ripped away from them by losing to a nobody. Well, what does that set up? You've embarrassed both of them. That congratulations, they're both equal now. But why? <laughs> what is the point? Uh, yeah, it doesn't fill one with excitement. It's, it's basically kind of what I'm hitting at. It doesn't put a lot of faith in me. But a lot of it comes from, like, especially this week, having just watched Double or Nothing, and just feeling that. The tide is massively turning. Like, WWE has the best women's roster. And, and NXT massively showcases it. They've, they lost one or two to the main roster and just look at what they still are. And the main roster itself is nothing to laugh at. But the, what are they use? how are they used? It's just... You watch this show of Raw, it's like, it's, it's nothing matches. <laughs> still to dialogue and crap. Uh, I guess I call the Shane and Bates and stuff crap. <laughs> what is it? Uh, but AEW, they don't have as, as strong roster, but they're used so much better that over the course of time, they're catching them up fast. And I feel like Double or Nothing was the crowning shift moment. I mean, to be fair, I felt like it happened ages ago, especially the Lights Out match, as in Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, set a bar that the WWE women can never get to. Because in the PG world, you can never have a match that violent. They can never go as far as that match did. You can hit similar emotional notes if you kind of want to. But, again, the stories in WWE don't think far enough ahead. <laughs> and that match was used to propel Britt Baker into the main event. And it, the direction is reaping its rewards. And it's the same in WWE, where the lack of direction is massively hurting them. Especially as a wrestling fan, in comparison... To the other company, Raw is in comparison to SmackDown. Uh, I mean, I say that. SmackDown, Roman Reigns is so good that he kind of makes me forget the rest of the show is pretty fine. <laughs> it's, the rest of SmackDown is filled with pretty much the exact same problems of Raw, but it's not three hours, so massive tick. And they've got Roman Reigns multiple times throughout the show, and every single one of his angles are amazing. <laughs> so I can't really complain about any of those. But yeah, Monday Night Raw is awful to watch <laughs> it's awful <coughs> it's so bad <laughs> and this being the raw after double or nothing the whiplash is real <laughs> just a pure emotion from one to watching this and it's just like this show is nothing the main event that said there are two things there are two well three three positives because one's a commentator <laughs> which i want to bring up the new commentator jimmy smith i feel like he's a massive improvement over Virk. like his performance is definitely a positive out of tonight's show. I thought he hit the ground running. And if that's the level he's going to be, he is at when he hits the ground, 
yeah, if that's where you're starting at, like, you've set one hell of a tempo. Like, yeah, massive applause <laughs> to Jimmy Smith. I thought he did a fantastic job on his first night in com- on commentary. I think the last time I felt that was probably Mauro Ranallo. It's just immediately, bang, you are, you are great. Uh, but the other two positives, RK Bro, which I'm going to talk about next first because I want to talk about positive <laughs> after all that. And the main event in Drew McIntyre v Kingston, which was a rematch from last week just with stakes slapped on it. But also, it was a really good match. And I think what really helped is I didn't watch Raw last week. <laughs> so even though there might have been a few repeat spots, I wouldn't have noticed them because I didn't watch Raw last week. Turns out, if I'm not well or for some reason I can't cover the show, I won't seek it out or watch it. <laughs> I just won't watch it. It's not worth it. <laughs> if I'm not, I found that out. If I'm not covering this show for the website, I'm not covering it. I'm not watching it. I don't need this pain. Look at the, um, I guess the other, the amount of other websites just dropping, reviewing more at all. It's just, yeah, that's for a reason. It's just a really, it's not a great show. (laughs) It doesn't deserve covering. If you're going to cover a WWE show, it's going to have to be Smackdown. And as long as, as soon as my schedule opens up, I'm doing it. Goodbye, Red. (laughs) Goodbye, Red T-shirt. Hello, Blue T-shirt. Anyway, so... Let's talk about RKBO first. Let's talk about positive. Let's be all happy. Because this is easily... This and the main event were easily the two best things on the show. And for me, this is the most consistently great thing. Where I'm not really criticising anything in the angle. I'm just enjoying it. And it's the one thing on the show I can say that for. Because uh, even though I'm enjoying Drew Kofi, I enjoyed the match. The angle is, for me, just filling time again to you do the repeat feud of Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. And I'll get, I'll get more into that, actually. I'll talk about positive. So, uh, we got, again, given how I didn't particularly like Riddle upon his debut, I've just found the character a bit irritating. It's incredible how well much I like him when paired with Randy Orton. Turns out, he needs a straight man. It's the comedy goofy guy and the straight man. Basic comedy pairing. <laughs> and it, but it is fantastic. Your basic rules for an odd couple you got your silly childish one, and then you got your straight man in Mandy Orton. Yeah, yeah. Riddle and Priest were backstage with Damien, teaching the Scooter Boy some basic Spanish, before we then saw Randy and Matt's next step in the relationship. Orton making the offer for Riddle to sit under the learning tree and watch his match at ringside. And yeah, it was another strong showing for Xavier Woods. A follow-up to his impressive showing against Riddle last week getting another chance to shine as Kofi's busy in the main event for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so even though Kofi wasn't there, they still utilised Woods well. Like, this angle, they found a way to make it work. So there, is, there hasn't been a misstep. A, another strong match, this time in a losing effort against the Viper. Uh, Randy using the Bro Derek in a response to Riddle hitting an RKO out of nowhere last week. Uh, the Misfit tag team continues to be a highlight of the show if not the highlight <laughs> these days. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say... Because, of course, Woods versus Riddle blew up the internet last week. But for me, this match, it, it felt like the perfectly fine next step. I wasn't in love with the match or anything. It was just, no, I didn't have any criticisms for this segment. I just watched it. I enjoyed the story. I liked watching the characters interact with each other. Move on. It doesn't have to be world beatingly crazy <laughs> stuff for me to enjoy a segment. This was basic character building, storytelling stuff, and it's like this, my one of my two favourite things on the show. It was lower key. 
but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I'm enjoying everything with RK Pro. I don't know because it feels if generally feels like there's characters there. There's something to chew on, and that really, uh, it really makes me happy. That's what's in that one. Uh, also, throughout the night, we got showings of Bobby Lashley. He was banned from ringside, so they're kind of selling the back, that by showing the champion backstage uh, in his VIP room as he and the ladies enjoyed listening to the latest royalty-free music, as we all do. <laughs> as we all do. Uh, after that was Shayna Baszler and Reginald. <sighs> and that leads into the next segment, where in watching it, it felt like... Uh, who cares? <laughs> as soon as I saw Mason T-Bar versus Lucha House Party. Well, Raw won't be winning on GM mode this week. <laughs> nope, one star. <laughs> if anything, there isn't the fan, there isn't the fan popularity. You, you can't put on this match and expect more than a, a star, if not one and a half. Nah, not happening. Uh, and with the amazing backstage promo bit of every great white shark needs a seal. But he's not as cool as that. It's like, every great white shark needs a seal. <laughs> I should do voices like that. <coughs> oh, when I'm recovering, I'm clearly not my best. Why would I put on that voice? What's wrong with me? <laughs> as the animal metaphors continue through deep voice, nobody goes for the Ninja Turtles to beat up. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, it was a nothing match that filled five minutes, I guess. On Raw Talk, they had, I think it was AJ Styles and Omos talking to Mason T-Bar. And the media just went, oh no. Because New Day in a feud with RK Bro and Elias and Riker split up after this week's war. war which is something I didn't, I didn't actually mind. But, hmm. That means Mason T-Bar are number one contenders. Because <laughs> there is nobody else. The Viking Raiders haven't been on the show since like the second week after WrestleMania, where they returned the, the week of WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania, they returned with a hot fire. Oh cool, Viking Raiders are back. The next week, they had the exact same match, like to a T, and then they've had nothing. So, oh, you return to them with no direction, and now they're in like a random backstage skit with Mansoor, setting up Mansoor talking to Ali. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> but that means there are no number one contenders for AJ Styles and Omos. So, Mason T Bar it is. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> uh, try and convince me that they are pay per view level contenders. Oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. Oh, yeah, I, I was about to jump to AJ Styles and their life, but I'll jump to that later. Because now it's Sheamus versus Ricochet. Then Sheamus versus Umberto Carrillo. Where a bit more of a direct challenge this week as the US champion asked for both Ricochet and Umberto Carrillo in quick, quick succession. As WWE's fascination with the way you set up a match with the champion is you pin the champion rather than having wrestlers climb any form of hierarchy, and then you get to face the champion. It's like, no, no, no. You beat the champion, that's how you get a match. So, well, what? Then the champion doesn't feel very strong. They've already beaten them. <laughs> it's, it's how they do things. It doesn't mean I'm going to get invested. <laughs> and it means that if this is the way you're setting it up, I'm going to need more. But they're very... It's mid-card. Who cares? It's a lot of the attitude sometimes. Now, after last week, he's going to send a message and beat them both up. But Humble Burt ran down before his time to cause a distraction and ricochet roll-up. Ah, so Sheamus loses match one via roll-up. What about the match against Carrillo? I hear you gleefully ask, optimistically ask. <laughs> oh, Nelly. Right, so second match. This time Sheamus is going to send a message through beating somebody up. Uh, Sheamus wrestling through a busted nose, which I guess is a nice visual as a made it feel a bit more special. The US Championship scene cannot 
escape little injuries like this. Uh, and Ricochet ringside retribution, no alley. Rick Richard working distraction for Carrillo, so that one also wins via roll-up. Both men won, but both used distractions. It's like, hmm, something tells me we're working towards a triple threat where that can't be the case. As we assuming that's the direction for this. Assuming there's direction. That, that, that's where my, my mind immediately sees this and goes, you're setting up a triple threat where I don't buy either of the contenders because they can't win without distraction. But Seamus also lost to both of them. So like, there's only one way this goes. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It was a show. It was a match. See the matches. It happened, and I'm not really invested in what's happening. Like, yeah, there's, there's, you. Uh, Seamus is a great character. I love his current character, but this is nothing. <laughs> there's nothing for me to chew on here. Uh, anyway, Eva Marie got her latest promo. Like, you have to fight for what you want in life. That is the promo of inspiration. And again, I'm like, this character could be great with the right direction and booking behind it. But aside from RK, bro, I really don't feel like there's any direction across Monday Night Raw. Like, and Eva's coming into the women's championship scene. If anything, Eve Marie, coming into women's division, if she has direction, then so does her opponent. And that's better than the current situation. So there's that. If there's any positive for even me coming in, it's at least short term, there's something. Because <laughs> the direction we currently got is Charlotte Flair versus Ray Ripley at Hell in a Cell with nothing in terms of how to actually get there. This is what the whole Nikki Cross thing screams at to me. But like, one thing I do like is more space between a pay-per-view. Like They've got, was it like five weeks? It's June 20th is the next pay-per-view. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I like a bit more space for you to kind of just stretch out your story. There's a bit more time to get there. In theory, I'll be more invested because you've built it up for longer. But what's happened is it's very clear they don't have a story <laughs> for so many of their things. And they're filling for time, making stuff up. Or with what's happened with Drew McIntyre, where it's mini side story for a couple of weeks, then into the main actual feud, as we get to the two couple of weeks before the pay-per-view. Okay, <laughs> fingers crossed that at least this bit has direction. And really I'm just cheering for segments to have direction and purpose. That, that's my measuring stick right now. <laughs> for Monday Night Raw, that's my measuring stick. Yeah. Anyway, three more matches to talk about. Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander. The easiest one to talk about because it's not a match. The third contest between the two. And as much as I like both lads, at this point in the show, we've gone from... Like the shame, we've gone from Mason to T-Bar. I don't even worse than that. We've gone from Shayna Baszler versus Reginald to Mason T-Bar versus Lucha House Party to Sheamus getting rolled up by Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo to Lana and Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose into Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander in a nothing match that ends in 30 seconds, if that. It's <laughs> just that. I like Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, but this show at this point was stuck in momentum mud and was since the arcade bro segment. Uh, Cedric with a thumb to the eye, right before the bell, and a lightning win in seconds. Cool, they got on television, move on to the next thing. <laughs> and the best bit, they face each other three times now. They're gonna do it again, because Shelton Benjamin's gonna need to get revenge for what happened this week. So this is the third match that sets up the fourth match. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's one of my main things with Raw. Where if there are matches of interest, they're repeat matches. 
like the main event here. Like we've seen AJ Styles and Omos and Elias and Jackson Riker. And we've seen, like the final two matches we've seen quite a bit. Uh, like Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston was the match last week and it's the same match this week. My massive benefit is I didn't watch the show last week. That's why I found the main event fresh. <laughs> That's not a compliment. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Raw Tag Team Championships were on the line. And I guess my third favourite thing from the night, uh, or fourth, depending on how much I'm rating Jimmy Smith. <laughs> but it was AJ Styles and Omos versus Elias and Jackson Riker. And at this point of the show, I'm just like, finally, a match of consequence. We've got two in a row here to end the show on. Uh, the tag titles on the line in a nice little follow-on fight from a feud where the, the losing an eight-man tag weeks ago has led to these teams who were teaming together having a little feud and now at the Tag Team Championships. And it's blown off here. And I was just like, hey, it's a run to a tag title match with clearly followable escalation. Like a nice change of pace. Like a perfect telly feud before we get to the champion's actual pay-per-view challenges. And I feel like that's my main issue with the Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston stuff. As much as I'd love them to elevate Kofi Kingston into the main event again, and this could be a way to do it, because their biggest issue right now is aside from Drew, a guest Braun Strowman, there isn't anybody. Who does Bobby Lashley face? As in, when Drew McIntyre assumably splits off and possibly faces Jinder Mahal, there is nobody for Bobby Lashley to face. Unless it's Braun Strowman. There isn't anybody. Which is like, uh, it's the main problem. So I thought, we oh, could have used this to elevate Kofi. And you can go to Drew McIntyre, Jinder, like here, I guess. But no, you've got to do your three-match stint. <laughs> and it's McIntyre versus Lashley. Uh, excluding the McIntyre-Lashley from Raw. Which didn't have a finish because we all knew it. Uh, anyway, uh, wind back to the tag team match. Heel dissension and Big Omos got, gets to beat up all the Viker he wants. Uh, Jackson abandoned in a potentially ill-advised face turn using his genuine military history. Like, obviously, it's not the military history part which is the issue with the Jackson Riker face turn. I don't think a modern day audience is going to cheer a man when they know his kind of views like that. As in what came out last year, it's not going to, it's not going to go down well. But even if you happen to be listening to this and you're, ex you're the exact opposite political view, man, like it's wrestling, like it doesn't have to come into it, but surely you can understand how that's not universally going to go down well. It feels a bit ill-advised. Jackson Viker isn't going to get... But even if you take all of that away, the way the man carries himself, if you watch him as Gunner in TNA as well, of which I did, and when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he could be something. And then I watched more of him, and I was like, yeah, oh, I guess, lower mid-card heel then. <laughs> as whenever they tried to turn him face, I just, it just didn't work. I just didn't feel him. I've seen him work as a face. I just didn't get into it. It didn't work for me. And... This is my fear with this. Are they going to try and turn Jackson Viker heel... Sorry, turn him face using his military pass to get that bit of respect behind him. But just everything about him. It's never worked. Could this be the time? I don't know. <laughs> I definitely don't know. Um, I doubt it. I mean, they can in the Thunderdome era, you get cheered because they press the button and there's a cheer noise that plays. But fans are coming back. I don't think, I don't think they'll buy it. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> Personally, I mean, the, my main example, the Cody Rhodes one didn't work. When that one doesn't work, and you've got people at your show cheering for the Brit, calling him a wanker, <laughs> when that's happening, that's a case in point that what works in the 70s and 80s doesn't work anymore. You can't cut that, we love America promo. Like, Cody Rhodes doing the, in spite of its flaws, I love America. 
He got booed. <laughs> Double or nothing. It didn't work. Uh, yeah. I mean, the promo wasn't that good. <laughs> but, and he got the right response, but still. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Elias turns on Jackson Viker, and the reason he turns on him is because uh, he sucks. <laughs> okay, cool. He gave a longer promo than that, but it was he sucks. Right. Uh, but onto the, on the champ's roll to Hell in a Cell, and uh, yeah, into a feud between each other, Viker and Elias swing. Assumably. <laughs> Assuming. After this is when we got Alexa's Playground. After that, the Viking Raiders teaching Mansoor a lesson in how to yell Viking. When Ali, with a lesson how you can't trust anyone around here. And uh, Mansoor's like, oh yeah, well, why should I trust you then? And Ali with a kind of like, now you're getting it. Yeah. There was no match tonight. Just like a wee bit to get the lads on the telly. And that interaction between Mansoor and Ali got me more interested <laughs> than most of the stuff on this week's Raw. I was like, oh, that'll be a nice little thing. That's the level of interest I had. And that's higher <laughs> than most of this Raw. Well, again, I'm giving it one star. Aside from, like, caveats of, but Jimmy Smith was great. The main event was great. RK Bro was great. And it's one of those things where that's why I don't like giving a, like, star out of five or out of ten reviews. So, but the context, that there, are, there was good in there. It was three segments. I, I recommend you YouTube. Then <laughs> just don't watch the show. Anyway, the main event, and then Imp can go to bed and recover because he's clearly. Well, I might not do an NXT review tomorrow because I'm clearly not quite back. Mm. But the number one contenders match, WWE Championship at NNSL. Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston. How do you make a rematch not feel like a rematch, even though it's just another rematch? The same way you improve any meal. Put steaks on it, baby. <laughs> I, I felt like s such an idiot when I wrote that. <laughs> you got to sell it. you got to sell the steaks. Uh, anyway, yeah. The third pay-per-view in a row with Drew getting through a mini side story before circling back to Bobby Lashley which is exactly the writing tactic I'd use if I purposely wanted my audience to start to turn on the good ear tad. Like, just a tad. Like, his reasoning for consecutive chances becoming less and less tangible. Like, this is like the third time in a row, and the characters that are saying you're getting so many chances here, they have more and more credence <laughs> every time it keeps happening. But Drew's the babyface, he gets the cheers, obviously. You're not meant to be against any of his wants or whatever. But if you're being subtle with it, then this is exactly what I would do. <laughs> As, again, the reason for him getting a chance over and over again. Uh, when in reality, it's a creative side trying to come up with reasons because the schedule doth dictate another match. But that reflects onto the character. And so this has to be the last one. Last year, I said that with Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Then they swapped the titles so that they could then set up another rematch, swap the titles again. And they happened to be doing that over Survivor Series weekend, so that kind of gave it a bit more longevity as well, because they weren't facing each other for a period of time. But still, you prolonged it another two months by doing a title change. That's my fear <laughs> for Helen Azell. For them to practically do the exact same thing that they did last week, where you kind of, you do a title shot, you do a title change, a Helen Azell, and then that means that Bobby Lashley gets another shot because rematches aren't a thing, but that means he can use the animosity thing to set up a rematch. So it's basically a rematch anyway. It's just no, it's rematch in all but name. It's <laughs> what this is. <sighs> cool. Yeah, that's, that's my expectation. My expectation is that Hell in a Cell, 
Drew McIntyre wins, and that sets up another match between McIntyre and Lashley. Savvy? <laughs> I just don't... Uh, that's how low my expectations are. I'm not expecting anything to move on. I think that a lot of the internet are expecting Jinder Mahal to interfere, uh, especially as he came out with a... De- he re-debuted, he got the guys with him, and he's not been seen on TV, which means one of two things. One... He was another return with absolutely no plan whatsoever, and that's why he's not been on TV, just like the Viking Raiders. (laughs) Scenario number two is because they have got a plan, and they don't want you thinking of Jinder, so they're not not featuring him until, like, head of the cell, he turns up and he gets his revenge on Drew McIntyre. You get that feud that was meant to happen last year, but because Jinder got an untimely injury, that means we get it here instead. There are two scenarios. Either... It's another return where they had zero plan for him. That's why he's not on TV. Or don't want you thinking about him so they're not featuring him on, on TV so it's a surprise at Hell in a Cell. I prefer it to be the second one because that also means we don't get Lashley McIntyre again. <laughs> That's my kind of like, main point for it. Ah, yeah. Anyway, the main event, personally, loved Drew, uh, this match. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, unsurprisingly, Drew and Kofi are great together. <laughs> as you saw last week as well. Uh, I didn't. Turns out, if I'm ill and give the choice, don't watch this show. Uh, but there's some great spots. Personally, I loved Drew swinging Kofi, like held in the underhooks before swiftly driving him down with a future shock DDT. Lovely stuff. Uh, the match, like the opposite of the rest of the show, in its constant momentum, like 10 minutes or so, like sprinting to a hot finish. Uh, not an easy win for Drew either. Just surviving grabbing the ropes after a trouble in paradise. But it is still hard for me to see past this being like the latest time-filling side story before returning to our regularly scheduled WWE title feud. Kofi flying off the top with a spur, with a spur of momentum, only to be caught mid-air by Claymore. The live shot was like close and crap. I think it's meant to be so you don't see Drew at all. It's meant to be a huge surprise where he's closer in on Kofi. He's about to jump off the top. He jumps off the top, then Claymore for Drew McIntyre. But it's all in close, and then you cut to the wide shot. Personally, it's perfectly fine to show the wide shot because it looked great. <laughs> and in the replay, they did show the wide shot. And like, yeah, you stayed close, and the shot you got live was, was just a bit crap. But the replay shot was great. So at least they found the replay shot and got it on the got, it, got the wide shot and put it on the replay. Uh, and after the match, a show of respect after after the match, <laughs> repeat myself, to coincide with Baddy Lashley raising his title on high as we fade out for the night. And it was a strong main event, which just re-establishes Drew McIntyre as number one contender for Bobby Lashley for Hell in a Cell. And it felt we have, feel, just like we did with the Retribution stuff in the feud building up to the last pay-per-view, this is now over. The Kofi, that's my prediction. Kofi Kingston teams up with the Xavier Woods. It's like none of this happened. He goes back into the Arco Bro feud. That is my prediction for next week. We get maybe Kofi Kingston versus Matt Riddle. That's my prediction. I'm going with that. Kofi Kingston, Matt Riddle. And he's back into that feud. This, this feud's over now. The fillers, it's done. It's now time for McIntyre and Lashley to do all their stuff. But the Kofi Kingston run at the top, nah, it's done now. Uh, back in, that's my, that's my kind of pessimistic view. <laughs> That's why I feel like this run for Xavier Woods has been great, but it's been an idea to fill time whilst Kofi Kingston's been in the main event. He's played his part in the main event, so away he disappears down the card. Ah, yeah, like a Twin Peaks character having served their purpose, he literally vanishes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the match. 
I, yeah, for me personally, I didn't watch last week's show, but I can say for this one, relatively enjoyable match. I got a nice little time out of it, and the back down he slips. We'll see what happens next week, but that's my prediction. <laughs> uh, as after Kofi beat both Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley to set this up, so he got a massive kind of push to get him there, but it's so Drew McIntyre can beat him. It feels like there's a bit more substance to it. Like, it was a three-week idea with actual, like, there's actual gusto behind it. It's just that, of course, as a viewer, it's because you're setting up another rematch, and that doesn't excite me. In terms of giving variety within the show, this is the opposite of that. You're finding different ways and reasons to give me the same thing again. So obviously I'm going to lose a bit of interest. And that 45 minutes, talking about, well, I thought, oh, this would be piss easy, won't feel that long at all. Like, I've been done for 20, like, half of this. <laughs> uh, it turns out if I'm not talking about something that I enjoy, I'm, yeah. And that's kind of why you see so many... I think my parting note for Raw this week, as yet another uh, big YouTuber drops off covering Raw in uh, Stephen Larson, the kind of parting thing is, case and example, your biggest wrestling nerds who've built a career and built an audience in covering these shows... Even they are tapping out. And that, that isn't just your standard IWC internet nerd, as the uh, Brandy Rhodes was complaining about. <laughs> in this day and age, like, when are they not one and the same, though? Like, who isn't in... Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I realised, I, I was about to try and ask a hypothetical and realise it's, it's a hypothetical that sounds like there's genuine answers, so I'll just stop myself. But, yeah, it's... Yeah... <laughs> if that isn't a sign where your hardcoreist fans are just like it's just a bit crap I move on and yeah that's what Raw is for me it's the worst wrestling show on television by a landslide I'm including impact in that it's just yeah it's so much of it feels like nothing going nowhere and even the feuds that, meant, that try and feel like they got direction only a couple of them do which is why I see those Eve Marie promos. Even they fill me with optimism because they have a sense of character direction in them. But everything else on the show does not be... Because it sends me the other way. <laughs> it sends me the other way. Ah. Anyway, I'm going to end the review there. It's another negative Raw review. I'm giving it one star. One star with the caveat of check out RK Bro and the main event out on Twitter. and Not on Twitter, on YouTube. And Jimmy, Jimmy Smith did an excellent job. Those are my positives. Everything else <laughs> was a moany little thing. And it sucks. Because I, like, I was 50-50 whether covering this Raw. But I didn't want to leave it of not covering a show for too long. I, I took a week off. In the wrestling world, that feels like a lifetime. Feels like a lifetime since I've done a Raw review. But uh, like, I didn't want to leave it. I didn't want to not get a review out. Um, I probably should have left it. <laughs> if it wasn't for me playing to the algorithms... Wasn't me for doing all that in both the podcast version and the video version. Uh, yeah, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have done this review. Uh, uh, the same reason I didn't do the Double or Nothing review, where I'm not in the best shape, but Double or Nothing was great. I loved it. It filled me with wrestling optimism, and Monday Night Raw sucked all of it out of me. <laughs> I got to wait all the way till Friday. So yeah. So anyway, I think I've proved to myself because this was meant to so this really. I guess it's like a trial run return for me in terms of fitness, and I would say I've not passed it. <laughs> I don't feel, uh, yeah, I don't feel my best. So even if I have, if you think I have some of my best, uh, my 
my ill ego needs it. <laughs> Just the government of, oh, he's had it all right, him. He's had it all right. It's like, oh, yeah. Uh, I could definitely feel I'm not 100%. Anyway, I'll be back, I guess, on Monday then. I'll try another step at the Raw Review next week. <laughs> Give it a go. You can check out uh, the other more reviews and NXT reviews of the past. All the aftershocks when I haven't been ill. I've got an awful track record this year. I've been ill twice. Both of them were the week for AEW pay-per-views. That sucks. <laughs> the most exciting times of the year. The explosive barbed wire death match is on my, like, one of my favourite AEW matches. Obviously the explosion sucked. But I didn't get to cover that either. And uh, didn't get to cover Double or Nothing either. Both shows ruled. Yeah. Anyway... I'll be back on Monday to cover that. But you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. Maybe I'll stream Twitch. I doubt it. But again, I'm trying to recover. So I might have to end up taking two weeks off of Twitch. Uh, algorithms don't like that. <laughs> we can follow me on Twitch at the Implications with two S's if you want to, um, I guess, get subscribed or whatever. Not subscribed. Get following in, in time for me. Get in, uh, get in returning from illness. Uh, but yeah, I, I take my croaky voice off to bed. What did you make of Monday Night Raw? As I said at the start of the show, I've delivered this review with a rhythm and a voice fitting of the quality of the show. <laughs> what did you make of it? Uh, I'll be back next Tuesday to talk about the Raw review. Uh, as much as it, NXT looks to be a solid show, I will just say that. Um, it's starting for me in, I think, one hour from when I'm like ending the show right here. But if you uh, if you have watched it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at the Cat. I am going to watch the show. Um, it's, they seem to have put together a really strong card. Again, it's only Raw. I want to emphasize this. This isn't a, oh, who goes uh, smart moaning about WWE. It's just Raw. <laughs> it, even though I've got the same critiques for SmackDown, I mostly enjoy SmackDown. NXT as well. And uh, obviously I was just praising AW. But yeah, seriously, it's just Raw. And, it's, and even though SmackDown has a lot of the same problems, it's so much easier to watch. Raw is a sludge every week. And it's been like this for months. This isn't a recent problem. And I feel like you're seeing YouTubers tap out for a reason. Which was meant to be my kind of signing off point. <laughs> my phrase that I give a review. Instead of giving a star. Like I said I would give it one star if I gave stars. But I like to give like a parting phrase of well how was this raw? What phrase do I dictate to it this week? And mine would be there is a reason you, wrestling YouTubers are stopping covering it. There is a reason. And this show was an example. <laughs> anyway, I'll see you next Tuesday. And with that, thank you for watching, liking, uh, subscribing, clicking the bell, uh, doing whatever we do on the podcast version as well. Any, any form of review massively helps us as well. Any form of engagement, thank you so, so much. Don't take any of it for granted. And with that, I take my sleepy face to bed. <laughs> I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.